Welcome to the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's Body Life Pastor Terrence Ford. John's Gospel, Chapter 5. John is the pre-incarnate gospel. Amen. He is the one that says, bam, he's just God. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are the synoptic. They come from the birth narrative, but John shows up on the scene and says, bam, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in this chapter of chapter 5 of John's Gospel, it says after, verse 1, after this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. There in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I am coming, another steps down before me. Verse 8, Jesus says to him, Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, and immediately, and immediately the man was made well took up his bed and walked. And this was the Sabbath. You can be seated. As we dive into this sermonic stream today, I want to talk about the healing that's at the pool. Pray that God opens our ears more than anything else to hear what the Spirit of God has to say in this room today. I want to modernize and contemporize the text, the story in the text, because I believe it applies to each of us today. Yes, I believe that I'm in the text, you're in the text, we're all in the text. We all find ourselves at different places in life where the principles of this text will speak to us principles of this text will apply to our circumstances, to our situations. For the sake of brevity, I, I, I want to say this. Let, I, I understand the text. I don't want to make light of the text. I understand the handicap and the disability that is in the text pertaining to the individual. I don't make light of his disability. I don't make light of his handicap. Jesus didn't. I won't neither, but I want to parenthetically, I want us to think about this. The text speaks to us today and shows us our today handicaps and our 
disabilities in our own personal lives, all of which, listen to me, mostly are not physical. If I was to take a survey and say, how many of you in this room have disabilities, most of us in here would not raise our hand. Physically. So this man was dealing with a physical disability, but many of us are not dealing with physical disabilities and handicaps, but we're dealing with mental disabilities. Better hear me in this room today. Mental handicaps. Many of us, our handicap and a disability is waging war between our ears. It's our thinking. And if we can shift our thinking, it would change everything about our lives. This text also shows to us our ability to make continual excuses. And one thing is for sure, we serve a God. Jesus, he's in this text, and he's not hearing our excuses. He's more so interested in our actions. Let me, let me say that again. I want, I want to make sure we got it. Jesus is not interested in our excuses more so than he's interested in our actions. He made a proclamation from the very beginning of his earthly ministry. When Jesus steps on the scene, he's baptized. He says, Matthew 4, 17, that the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus came to implement change. Everybody say change. He doesn't make light of the man's disability and the handicap, but he does make light of his excuses. So allow me to build some foundation for a moment here as we dive into this. The church, the kingdom church at large, I believe has matured. It's almost like over the last 60, 70 years, and we got to think about it from a Pentecostal perspective. We've gone through the different phases of, 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 of giftings, what we've coined as the five-fold ministry giftings, okay? The Bible says when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts unto men. And in Ephesians 4.11, it says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers which work together. And we learn to understand that there, there, there's the office of the gifts. And then there's the gifting of the gifts. Everybody does not possess the office. Many times in church, what, what we've done is we've, we've glamorized these positions. We don't understand too much is given, much is required. A lot of folks strive for position and power and authority, but you don't understand. Too much is giving. Much is required. And so in these gifts, I believe as time has transpired, we've come to understand that in anything God does, in anything God is going to do, it requires movement. Anything God does, anything God is going to do, it requires our movement. Let me explain. Okay, prophecy. 
It's one of these gifts. Many of us have had words of prophecy spoken over our lives. I remember my wife and I, somebody laid hands on us a long time ago and spoke a word that blew my mind. And time transpired. And I didn't see that prophecy come to pass. But let me show you what's taking place. Prophecy is one of these gifts. And prophecy comes to strengthen. It comes to encourage. It comes to comfort. But it also comes to rebuke, right? Many things, God's word will act as a prophet and speak over our lives. In other words, what is God's will concerning you? You don't need a prophet to stand in the pulpit and tell you what God's will is concerning your life. All you need is the word. The word will tell you everything pertaining to your life and godliness. He'll reveal it to you. Now, every now and then, there will be a prophet that arise, and they may say, thus says the Lord over your life. And I understand that. But God's word, you don't have to look for Read his word. His word will begin to reveal to you. His word tells us in in church, one of the things we have to do is we have to get out of this mindset of I'm just waiting on God. Many of us are stuck there. Just waiting on God. And a year goes by and I'm just waiting on God. Five years go by and you're still just waiting on God. And ten years go by and you're still just waiting on God. God told me to tell you this morning, I'm waiting on you. You're like that proverbial story of the man that's out at sea drowning. And he's saying, Lord, help me. And a boat comes up. Sends a life raft, and he says, no, I'm just waiting on God. And a helicopter comes up and drops a line in the water. No, I'm just waiting on God. And all of a sudden, he dies, opens his eyes in heaven. And he says, Lord, I was waiting on you. And God said, I sent help. I sent a boat. I sent a helicopter. You wanted to over-spiritualize a situation. Amen. Sometimes, church, we can become too superficial. We can become too spiritual-minded that we're no earthly good. Amen. Drowning and need help, and God is sending you all kinds of help. But you're looking in all the wrong places trying to get it. So what happens when a word of prophecy is spoken over your life As to what God is going to do in your life, time transpires and you don't see that word fulfilled. Then if it was a true word from God, listen to me, catch this, understand this today. You got to understand the prophetic proclamation and the prophetic manifestation. And what takes place after the prophetic proclamation is made is time before the t- prophetic manifestation takes place in which, watch this, you have to participate in making the prophetic proclamation come to pass. Some of us think just because God spoke it, it's just going to take place. And I'm here to tell you that is not true. You have to participate 
Everybody say, I must participate. It requires our participation. We have to participate in our own deliverance. Are you hearing me in this room? You say, well, God, deliver me. And God says, I will. I love you that much. I'm going to deliver you. Well, you got to participate in your deliverance. You say, God, give me breakthrough. God says, I will. I love you that much. I'm going to give you breakthrough. You have to participate in your breakthrough. You say, God, heal me. God says, I will. I love you that much. And he sends it. But you have to participate in everything that you want from God. Or you will not see it come to pass. Amen. He made us free moral agents. We have to choose to be in. And I don't know about you. I don't want to be halfway in. I want to be all the way in. Amen. I remember many, many years ago dealing with a young lady when I was lead pastoring, and she was saying, Pastor, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And I said, I will, I will. What do you need? She says, I need a job. I said, awesome. I said, Psalm 75, God is the promoter. He raises up some, he sits down others. God will bless you. God will do mighty exploits in your life. He'll give you what you desire. I said, where have you applied it? She said, I ain't applied nowhere yet. I'm just waiting on God. I did the same thing you all just did. I laughed in her face. She got offended. She got mad, wanted to lead the church. Amen. I said, I'm not trying to be funny, but Back then, this was back when Monster.com and CareerBuilder.com, all these websites. I'm like, you got to post your resume somewhere, girl. You think it's just going to fall out the sky? She said, yeah, I'm just waiting on God. You keep on waiting. It ain't going to happen. I challenge you to go apply and pray that God bless what you do. You're not going to win in many areas of your life without a fight. Marriages won't be saved without a fight. Living on a budget to have success in your finances won't be accomplished without a fight. Wayward children won't be saved without a fight. Sin addiction won't be broken without a fight. Amen. You have to participate and you have to fight understanding that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal we we, we got to start learning to tap into our spiritual weapons of mass destruction and say God it's it's some things when they came down from the mount of transfiguration Jesus, we couldn't cast this devil out. What's wrong with us? This kind cometh out but by prayer and fasting. You got to fight. You got to get into your, your, your weapons that are spiritual more so than the weapons that are carnal because the carnal weapons won't do anything in your life. Listen to me. We serve a God that's always up to something. The question is, are you going to get in on it? He's always up to something. The church today, and when I say church, I hope you know I'm not talking about buildings because Jesus could care less about edifices. 
Jesus straightened that out a long time ago when he was walking with his disciples and they were boasting and bragging about the temple that took 40 years to build. And they were like, oh, Jesus, you see these marble stones and all it took 40 years to build. And Jesus says, you see this temple? Destroy it and I'll raise it in three days. They thought he was talking about that temple, which he could do that too. Jesus was talking about himself. Jesus is not concerned with beautiful buildings as much as he's concerned with the people that feel beautiful buildings. He's concerned about you. Stop believing the lie of the devil that God doesn't care. God is highly concerned about you. And the church is experiencing revival today. God said it. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit in the last days. But I heard this in the spirit the other day. It is a participative revival. You have to jump in and participate in this revival that the church is experiencing. And what does this mean, men and women of God? We must participate to get it. We must participate to experience it. They're over there talking about revival because he go to jealous folks. Seeing breakthrough happen in everybody else's life but yours. Seeing healing take place in everybody but you. They over there talking about revival. Well, I ain't seen it yet. I'm not having no revival. That's because you're not participating. You're spectating. God is not looking for spectators. He's not looking for someone that stands on the sideline and say, ooh, let me watch this. Let me look at that. God wants some folks say, shoot, if God's doing that, I'm getting in on that. If he did it for my brother, I want him to do it for me too. Amen. So there's revival taking place, and it's up to you to get on board. It's a corporate anointing. You have a choice. You're going to sit by the sidelines and wait on somebody to notice you, or you're going to make yourself noticeable. Amen. You're going to jump in and say, God, this is what's happening. Amen. I want you to add your super to my natural so that the supernatural things of you can begin to take place in my life. Listen. In the book of James, chapter 2, verses 14 through 20, there's an argument in the text between two different people. We don't know whether it was groups or two individuals, but James says, I want to call this out because there's this one group of people that says faith, 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 faith. On the other side, there was a group of people that said, works, 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 works. And I believe in the church today, as it applies to us, we have radical faith, 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 faith people who don't do any works, 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 work people. And on the flip side of that, we got works, 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 work people who don't have any faith, 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 faith. And James says, I want to bring some balance to this thing. He says, verse 20, no, before we even get to verse 20, he says, if somebody comes and says, I need something to eat, and you over-spiritualize that thing, well, I'm praying for you, which is what a lot of us do sometimes. <laughs> James says, your prayers is not going to do them any physically good. Either you need to sow a seed and give them some money, or you need to go buy them something to eat. Amen. I don't have enough gas to make it. Well, I'm going to pray for you. 
No, you need to pull up to the fueling station with them and say, let me pump some gas. Because faith is not going to help their car make it. Come on, somebody. James says, verse 20, oh, foolish man, faith without works is got to have both. Somebody say you got to have both. I'm a faith believer too, amen. I believe that we walk by faith and not by sight, but you got to have both. You can't just have faith and ain't doing nothing. You got to have faith and do something at the same time. Works. What am I saying? I'm simply saying we got to do something. And this is what our brother in our text today had to learn, as well as you and I. We got to learn this today. We know in our text today that there's a great multitude of people waiting at this pool. Sick, lame, blind, paralyzed, verse 3. There's a great multitude of people. We don't know what our brother's illness was. It just says he had an infirmity. And we know how long it was. It was 38 long years. The scripture says that an angel would stir the water of this pool at Bethesda, verse 4. This is why I want to help us today. There was a multitude of people at this pool, but the text says in particular that there was a man. Out of all those folks, we don't know his name, but the text says, as a matter of fact, it was a certain man. That's the only particular we can get about this guy. There was a certain man. But this certain man had this infirmity. Verse 5, 38 years. My question for us today is it applies to us. What are you doing for 38 years? What are you doing as time has transpired? What are you doing between last year today and this day today now? What are you doing to help the situation get better? Because either you're going to allow things to make you bitter or you're going to allow it to make you better. Amen. And I want to get better in this Christian walk. Amen. What are you doing, man, for 38 years? That you're coming out to this pool. Hallelujah. Waiting on the stirring of the water. Because some of us have reached the brink of insanity. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Amen. We've all been there. And there's a radical group of us that says, okay, I've done that long enough. It's time to try something else and pray that God bless my something else that I'm going to do. Amen. Don't know how long this man has been coming to this pool with expectation that it's my time now only to be met with disappointment. Look at Proverbs says hope deferred makes the heart sick. You hoping for something and praying for something and it just never takes place. This man is not only physically sick, but by now he's mentally sick. 38 years making excuses every time I want to get in the water, somebody beats me too. 
What are you doing for 38 years? I want to encourage you to try something. Do something. Verse 6 says, Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been in this condition a long time. I got good news. Jesus has stopped by and, and his focus is on you. And I don't know who this is for today, but Jesus stopped to get someone's attention and tell you that you've been in this situation long enough. I'm ready to produce change in your life. Hallelujah. But he does not start with the healing first. Jesus starts with a question. Are you hearing me? Jesus does not start with healing. He never does. He always tries to get at the root of the problem before he manifests healing. Because Jesus wants you to get your mind right. Hallelujah, somebody. He starts with a question. Do you want to be made well? That's what he asked this man. And here goes our brother. We're related to him. It's our cousin, Nim. The man, verse 7, says, sir, I want to, but every time the angel stirs the water, somebody beats me. Please don't use anything as a crutch and live a life or live your life full of excuses. It's not going to do you any good. And I'm not trying to make light of anybody's situation in this place. I've been there before and I've done that myself. Amen. But please do not use anything again as a crutch and live your life full of excuses because Jesus in his lordship simply says, boy, please. I just feel a boy, please anointing in this room right now. I feel Jesus is saying, girl, please. If you only knew who you were dealing with, like the woman at the well, amen. If you own, boy, please, if you only knew who you were dealing with, amen, then you would understand that the power of God is right here in front of you. Jesus says, boy, please, get up. Stop making excuses. Get up. Take up your bed and walk. The next verse, verse 9 says, watch this, two words, and immediately. I feel in an, an immediately moment right now in this church. And immediately the man was made well. Took up his bed and started walking. I want somebody to know today that there's a stirring in the waters of God's kingdom taking place right now. We serve an awesome God. And everything he does, everything he allows is awesome. Amen. There's a stirring in the spiritual realm. The question is, what are you going to do? Turn to about two or three people and tell them it's taking place, but what are you going to do? What, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I want to encourage somebody in this room today to jump in. Just, just, just jump in. 
Say, Jesus, I, I'm going to jump in. I may not can jump high. I may not can broad jump wide. But I can take a little step of faith in Jesus. I'm going I'm to jump in on what you are doing today because whatever you're doing, as one songwriter wrote, Lord, please don't do it without me. Amen, somebody. Remember, I told you that you have to participate. And if you want to see the things of God come to pass in your life, you got to participate and you got to simply jump in what God is doing because unlike our brother, I don't know about you, but I feel like if, and I know when we hypothetically look at things, we can miss the whole thing. So I'm not putting myself above him, but unlike my brother, I feel like if that was me, I would have rolled as close as I could to the edge. Soon as that water was stirred, I don't know how to flip in. I'd have stuck my finger in and said, beat you. I got this. Amen. I'd have did something. Amen. To make sure that this infirmity that I've been dealing with for 38 years will not go on any longer because the presence of God has come in and stirred the waters. Hallelujah, somebody. I want to encourage you today. There's a corporate anointing. Amen. What you need to do is get in on it. You got to jump in. Because what God is doing. It's not like what this situation was at the pool. The first person got in, got it. What God is doing today, he's not a respecter of persons. What God is doing today, he wants to do it for everybody. Somebody say that includes me. <laughs> what God is doing today, I say he wants to do it for everybody. He wants to do it for everybody. And I want to encourage you to understand what God is doing. It's all inclusive. You're included. I'm included. We're all included. Amen. The Bible says that the angel came at a certain time, at a certain season. Well, you say, Pastor, you don't, you don't understand how long I've been dealing with this. And, and I may not, but I want you to know God does. We serve a God that knows everything. Hallelujah, somebody. And I want you to know that this angel came at a certain season, but in today's time, we serve a God that's a meteorologist. Amen, somebody. God is a weatherman. And I feel the anointing to tell somebody God is getting ready to shift the weather in your life. I don't know who I'm talking to in this room today, but, but God is getting ready to shift the weather in your life. He's getting ready to stir the waters in your life. Hallelujah, somebody. And, and, and I feel a first King 1844 anointing in this room today where Elijah told Ahab, it's not going to rain because I said so. And he tells his servant, go out there. And he told Gehazi, go out there and, and look and see what you see. And he went out and said, I don't see anything. And he said, go again. And he went out two times. And he says, I don't see anything. He said, go out again three times. And I, I don't see anything. Four times, I don't see anything, prophet. Five times, I don't see anything. Six times, I don't see anything, prophet. Seven times, prophet, this time I saw something that looked like the fist of a man's hand. And God is saying, what I got is not what you cuss. The ways of God is different than the ways of man. God says, I can do a lot with a little. Amen, somebody pastor talked about the two fishes and the five loaves last week. Amen. 
But what he's telling you today is it's getting ready to rain in your life. Hallelujah, somebody. He's changing the weather in your life. And we're at a season where we walk by this faith and exercise our faith and we live by this faith. But going back to the text, Jesus picked this man out. Out of the whole crowd. And I love it today because individually in this room, those of you watching live, he's picking us out. I've cho- I choose you. I want to do this in you. Come on, stand on your feet with me today. I, I want to do this in you. There's a stirring of the waters. But you got to jump in. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.